Hi, everybody. This is the Practical Woodsman Podcast. I'm Rut, the creator and host of the Practical Woodsman. That's right. It's my genius which has brought this all into existence. This week, we're going to be talking about some 2,000-year-old seeds that were found and grown. Yeah, they're growing right now. It's it's an amazing story. going to tell you how my shopping for gear, my, my attitude towards gear, and the time I spend uh, investigating and comparing before I buy has changed over the years. You might find that interesting. And finally, to wrap things up, I'm going to tell you a true story about an eagle. An eagle in Philadelphia. No joke. Uh, when I lived there, and uh, it's kind of comical. So I, I hope you'll enjoy this show. Stick around. we got to do the musical introduction first. year old seeds what would you do if you come across a seed and on the packaging <laughs> on the packaging where it said made from uh, imported from China it was dated 2,000 years ago would you would you plant it sounds like the beginnings of a horror movie doesn't it uh, likes uh, sort of like invasion of the body snatchers right <laughs> or uh, little shop of horrors well no, this is a true story. The, the, this person, this uh, agricultural expert in Israel, come across the seed of an ancient extinct tree that was 2,000 years old. This is from Smithsonian Magazine, by the way. It was pulled from the remains of Masada, an ancient fortification perched on a rock plateau in southern Israel. So, in 2005, this agricultural expert germinates this seed that he found. And nobody could be sure if the darn thing would even grow at all, if it would live. But not only has it lived, it has grown. And it has thrived. It's thrived so much that, in fact, now it's reproducing. This is a true story. So, this is a Judean date palm and for a while, it was the only representative of its kind. Methuselah, Methuselah palm, I think it's called. And the, this Methuselah variety of palm was supposedly wiped out right around the year 500 Common Era. At 2000, you know, that's interesting. That's interesting stuff right there. But even at 2,000 years old, this Methuselah seed isn't the most aged one to be used to grow, grow a plant believe it or not, not even by a long shot. Uh, back in 2012, a team of Russian scientists unearthed a cache of seeds from a prehistoric squirrel burrow that had been covered in ice. And so they did what you and I would probably do. They said, let's see if we can get these suckers to grow. And they did. They eventually succeeded in germinating this 32,000-year-old seed. Isn't that in incredible? So you never know. We might end up with a little shop of horrors 
type of story one of these days or a invasion of the body snatchers type of thing well i just thought i'd share that story because i love trees and i love the natural world and it is a shame how man has caused things to unnaturally go extinct if you think about all the apple varieties for example that we have today they're just the slightest fraction of the actual number of varieties of apples that once existed and uh, what a shame wouldn't you love to go back 200 years and get to try some of those apples uh, bananas are another one apparently the bananas we buy in stores today are actually at risk of going extinct because there's not enough varieties too many varieties have gone extinct and so now the varieties that we do have like in our piggly wigglies uh, apparently it's just like, you know, if you're breeding horses or you're breeding dogs or something, you've got a, if you've got a very small gene pool, uh, that results in problems. If you've got a very large gene pool, then you can keep the species healthy and that sort of thing. You know, you wouldn't want to breed dogs for very long within a family, although I've, I've heard of it happening. But you, you, you end up with an inferior thing, right? And I reckon that that's what's happened with a lot of our trees, a lot of our plants, a lot of our fruits and vegetables, is that the the gene pool, because of man's involvement with things, has been slowly getting smaller and smaller. Well, you know, I'm not here to depress you. <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting story there about that Methuselah tree. Let's do some announcements. These are some interesting announcements, so don't go away. These are interesting. Uh, I know I've been pushing the, the locals community on you folks quite a bit. Let me do it again this time. I've started doing live streams on Saturdays. So uh, that's something I hope to regularly do moving forward is to do simple live streams on Saturdays. Let you guys see what I'm up to live. You can communicate with me in the chat and I can interact with you. So if you're not part of the locals group, the way you join is you go to thepracticalwoodsman.locals.com in your browser. Or you can also just download the locals.com app and then search for the Practical Woodsman within. I noticed recently that some folks took some time to leave some negative reviews on the show. And, you know, that's everybody's prerogative. But it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, people who are critical are uh, seem to be a lot more willing to set aside time out of their life time and energy to be to be critical you know they'll, they'll jump through lots of hoops to make sure that their criticisms criticisms can be heard and you know again that's that's everybody's prerogative but um, if you folks who enjoy the show out there and I don't annoy you to death if you'd like to counteract those negative reviews on Apple podcasts uh, that would be fantastic. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, one feller on there, he, uh, boy, he sure had a hair in his biscuit. He, uh, he practically wrote an entire book, uh, an entire friggin' book, just to let everybody know how much he d dislikes me and how much uh, he doesn't like the show and everything. And <laughs> I I'm just imagining. The time that he set aside that day to just sit down and, and you know, the thing is he really did have to set aside time because he, he was critiquing 
very specific things in very specific episodes of the show. So he would listen to an episode, write down all of his criticisms, and then go reference it with another episode of this show and write down all those criticisms. And he included this in this really long, bad review on Apple Podcasts. And as I'm reading this, I'm just thinking like, well, you know, buddy, if you're that bent out of shape, if you've got that big of a hair in your biscuit about a free show that I do for free that you haven't, you get to listen to or you don't have to listen to it, but it's, it's ruining your life that much that you got to set aside time to write such a nasty review. Uh, you just must be an unhappy person because I would find better things to do with my time, I think. Anyway, so that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. If you guys enjoy the show and you would like to leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts to kind of offset the negative reviews, I would appreciate that. Thank you in advance. Uh, Videos. I've been doing some videos uh, that are not, they're just not conducive to uh, an audio-only format. So this is the podcast, obviously, that you're listening to or watching right now. But I have uh, different types of shows. I have this podcast that you're listening to, which is designed to be enjoyed by people watching or listening. You don't necessarily need to see what I'm doing. You can just listen to me, and and that's that. But then I also have these shows that are called uh, Adventures, and this is just my me and my time in the woods. And then finally, what used to be called Video Briefs, I've changed the name of those to Exclusives. So exclusives are things that uh, are specifically for a video format. I can't, you know, these are just things like or, that I'm working on for myself, curious about for myself, experiments that I'm doing for myself, new gear I'm trying out for myself. And so those will be called exclusives. They used to be called video briefs. Ain't going to call them that no more. But for those of you who are only subscribed to the audio only version of this show, this podcast, I did want to tell you. I've been doing some interesting things on uh, in video format. So if you'd like to see these things, you'd have to be subscribed on either YouTube or Rumble to The Practical Woodsman. For example, this week I started a video about how you can save upwards of $850, $900 on a lightweight, super packable, zero degree, down sleeping bag quote-unquote or quilt and uh, it's every bit as good will keep you every bit as warm and comfortable in the back country as many of these high and very expensive big name brand sleeping bags so if you'd like to see that you know please subscribe on youtube or rumble that's the sort of thing that i can't i can't make into a, a one of the podcast cast episodes because it's not something that i can just talk about you need to you need to see it. All right, so that's it for the adventures. Or <laughs> that's it for the announcements. Let's talk about how my shopping has changed. First of all, I want to tell you what my shopping used to be like. When I really so here's for those of you who have not heard this story, let me give you a little resumen, a little brief rundown. I grew up in the Appalachian backcountry. In my mid-20s I moved off from Appalachia 
and I moved to the big cities. I lived it for a while in Columbus, Ohio. From there, I moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And from there, I moved to the Boston area for a while. So, go Phillies. Phillies are doing real good. It looks like we might be going to the World Series. Um, so, I lived in Philadelphia and Boston there for a while. And I was working in a white-collar profession. To be more specific, I was a, um, a linguist. I was a Spanish medical interpreter in the, in the medical field. So, I was uh, on hospital staff in these major cities and uh, working as an interpreter for Spanish-speaking uh, patients and for the hospital staff. Now, I was living a very city-fied life there for a long time, but uh, of course, I needed I needed my time in the woods. I Really, I began to miss it I, because every day of my life growing up was spent in the woods, in the natural world, nose right up to the natural world. And so it didn't take me for very long living in the cities to begin to really, you know, my soul felt empty. And so I started looking for a way, you know, back when I was growing up, we, we lived on all the property, you know, thousands of acres that I could get lost in. Uh, living in the city, things were different. It wasn't, I couldn't just walk out my back door and be, you know, get lost in the mountains. So I started looking for a way to get that, that need filled. And uh, that was when I started looking into backpacking. That was about the time. So that was uh, around 2006 was when I started thinking about, you know, I can't drive because it would take me nine hours to nine hours or more to drive home to Appalachia from Philadelphia. So, you know, my my childhood woods were always there. But that, you know, I, I couldn't always do that. I couldn't always just take off and drive back home and be in the woods that I grew up in. So that was where backpacking really started coming in. And that's where I kind of started thinking, man, um, I don't need to go back home to be in the woods. I can work in the city, live in the city, and then about four hours any direction be lost in deep wilderness. And that's, so that was how my, my experiences with backpacking really got started, was trying to fill that need and those sorts of things. Now, back during that time when I first got started, if you'll remember when I was a kid, we didn't use any specialized gear or anything like that. I think I told you in a couple episodes back, we didn't use um, ground mats or anything like that or these accordion-style um, egg crate-like uh, sleeping mattresses or anything like that. We didn't have anything specialized like that. We would just find cardboard. Like I'd get cardboard out of my dad's work garage. It wasn't really a garage, work building and um, rummage through there, find some cardboard, and that's what I would use as my sleeping mat. Things like that. Never had specialized sleeping bags, nothing like that. And we spent time out in the woods year-round. Freezing temperatures, sweltering temperatures, didn't matter. So without any of the specialized gears, we just went out and did it. So when I'm living now in the city, I'm making pretty good money. I start researching into backpacking, um, start researching into these... Uh, wilderness areas. Now, this was going to be different, right? Because instead of being in a a large wilderness area that I'm completely intimate with and familiar with, now I was going to begin going into these wilderness areas that I had no experience with whatsoever. So there were things I had to learn about that. But there at the beginning, when I started buying gear, 
One thing I did that I imagine lots of folks do when they're getting started is I obsessed about researching the gear, making comparisons between gear, and really, really being very particular, particular about the gear that I was going to spend my money on. For example, if I was going to buy a sleeping bag, I didn't just look up sleeping bags and buy a sleeping bag. I spent weeks researching sleeping bags. I wanted to know exactly the perfect sleeping bag for me. The sleeping bag that was going to you know, define my experience out there. I would compare prices. I would compare uh, materials. I would compare weight. I would compare who they're being made from. And early on there, that was a big deal for me. For example, Marmot. I was particularly fond of, particularly fond of Marmot, Mountain Hardware, you know, these, these types of brands. And I spent all kinds of time, and it was fun. It was fun to do it. That's probably why I did it. It, it wasn't grueling investigative work. It was really fun educative work, right? Doing all this research on the internet about sleeping bags. Doing all this research on the internet about soft shell jackets. Doing all this in research on the internet about this and that. Every piece of gear I spent weeks and sometimes even months researching and really thinking about it before I pulled the trigger and purchased some type of gear. Well, to cut to the chase, what I want to tell you, if you've been in this game for a long, long time, or if you ain't, is that you don't have to do that. I don't do that anymore. I don't spend all that time and energy fretting about the, the minutest specifics about my gear. My recommendation, and we're going to talk about why that is here in a second, but my recommendation to you today, as I sit here, is don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. You know, for example, if you want a kettle, look online, find the kettle that looks good to you, buy it, use it. That's the most important thing. Just, just get a kettle and start using it. The reason why I say this is because you know, that was 2006, right around there, 2006, 2008. Those were the, my really, the years that I was really getting started and doing these things. So much changes so quickly that, well, and here's another thing to consider. Gear, gear wears out. I don't care what it is. It, it wears out. And hopefully you're going to be doing this for a long time, right? So don't go into the thing with the mindset that, for example, this flashlight is going to be my flashlight for all time. I'm going to pass this down to my grandchildren. Most likely that is not going to happen. Now, with some things, it will happen. For example, I've got a mug. It's the Crusader Cup that uh, I've raved about in the past. And, uh, you know, that thing, it's a tank. I, I, I absolutely can see that being passed down to my grandkids. But that does not mean that it can't get lost, it can't get broken that my grandkids are even going to want to use it, um, that every time I go out, I'm going to want to use that particular mug. I, for one, like getting out there and experimenting with different things from time to time. Yes, I do have my favorites, but, uh, for example, I, you know, I got a, 
a kettle last year that I just raved about to you guys and I still love it but I think I found one that I like even better so there's a perfect example you know as much as I love that kettle I think I found one that I like even better that does even does things even better and does more things for me than the kettle I was just raving about last year that's the type of thing I'm talking about you spend so much time worrying and fretting about getting exactly the, the just the perfect kettle and you get the, what you think is the perfect kettle and a year goes by and there's a better one that's the type of thing I'm talking about so I think about the times in the past where I spent so many hours and days and weeks really <laughs> really spending a lot of time sweating over exactly the type of gear I was going to be carrying on the woods exactly the backpack and all these things and uh, I just think man I could have saved a lot of time because do you know where all that gear is you know I spent thousands of dollars on that gear back then do you know where it's at today most of it's gone almost all of it is gone I have a sleeping bag from that time what else do I have from that time um, you think about the boots <laughs> all the time I spent researching boots do you know how many boots I've been through since those original boots and I spent weeks fretting about getting the perfect pair of boots not only have I been through many pairs of boots since then but even if I wanted those boots I can't find them because they don't make them and that's another thing that happens with a lot of gear I remember a pencil headlamp that I got man I love that headlamp but I couldn't find it today they don't make it today it doesn't exist and even if uh, I could track one down let's say I find one on eBay I wouldn't want it you know why because the headlamps that they have today are a lot better last a lot longer do a lot more and they're rechargeable USB-C rechargeable and while we're talking about USB-C rechargeable let me mention this that I have gone to replacing all of my headlamps and almost everything, my flashlights even, with USB-C rechargeable flashlights and headlamps. Now, there would be a temptation there for me to obsess about that, about making sure, for example, that if I'm getting a rechargeable, that it absolutely has to be USB-C, USB it has to have a USB-C port for charging and those sorts of things, right? that's the modern you even see on people talking about the other types of connectors how they're dinosaurs and you know those products are all dinosaurs and everything so a person could be tempted to set out to only and be really insistent if I'm going to get a flashlight that flashlight has to have a USB-C connector well what did we just get done talking about do you think we're still going to be using USB-C connectors in five years ten years I really doubt it they're gonna come up with something better so you're gonna spend all this time and energy researching flashlights making sure that it has a USB-C connector for for recharging and then we it could be it may not even be five years it could be in two years where they come out with another port type that's superior to the USB-C and then all of those flashlights and all those things are going to be outdated. So is there any sense in just obsessing about finding 
a flashlight that is specifically USB-C? No, not necessarily. Not a, uh, you know, it's probably not going to be too hard for you to find those things. But uh, there's no sense in obsessively spending lots of time and energy about those things. And as far as like flashlights go, just get a flashlight. <laughs> just get just get it. Go on Amazon. Get yourself a flashlight. It doesn't have to speak to you. It doesn't have to you know, fit some vision in your head about what you're supposed to look like out there or, or anything like that. Just get a flashlight. Get out there in the woods and start doing. Instead of all this research and obsessing, just get out and do. My original gear setup was an effort to bring into reality my vision for the perfect ensemble of things. All designed exactly right, all complementing each other just exactly right. And I don't have any of that gear anymore. Almost all of my gear has been replaced over the years. And that's, I think... Uh, the reality that anybody's going to find themselves in when it comes to this sort of thing is that gear wears out, better gear comes along, so there's just no sense of losing sleep over it. Uh, my backpack, for example, I am very, uh, what's the word I would use? Partial. I'm very partial to 45 liter backpack, and I'll tell you why. I know that if you've got an 80 liter backpack or a 70 liter backpack that you don't have to use all that space. But what happens is that um, when you've got that space, <laughs> you end up carrying things that you don't need to carry and that if you had less space, you would find a way around carrying that. You are more inclined. If you have that, that space, that, that type of space, you are more inclined. To carry things that otherwise you could do without. A am I wrong? So I think 45 liters just hits a sweet spot where it forces you to really be picky about the things you take and then not take too many things that you don't really need to take. It, it forces you to get creative about how you pack everything that you need into, into 45 liters without carrying any of the stuff that you really don't need to take. So I think it requires a lot more skill. I think it is reflective of a lot of somebody who possesses a lot more skill and insight and knowledge into the woods when they're carrying a 45 liter pack instead of an 80 liter pack. So even though that's something that I live by today, I, I still am par very partial to a 45 liter backpack. Uh, I don't obsess over uh, finding a pack that meets some kind of image in my head like I did at the at the beginning. I remember that very first backpack. Here were my conditions for that backpack. It had to be 45 liter. By the way, I didn't know what 45 liters looked like or what that even meant. And I wasn't too keen on spending, you know, $200 or something like that on something without knowing exactly what what type of capacity is that? What what does that 45 liters, what does that represent in capacity? I would have liked to have seen, for example, does it hold one pillow? Does it hold two pillows? Is this 45 liters hold 10 pillows? Like relay that information to me in, in some form that I, I can understand, that I can grasp that. When you, I think a lot of you will uh, agree with me. When you're first getting started, 45 liters doesn't mean anything to you. Once I did 
realize, you know, I got a, a glimpse of some backpacks and everything, and I started getting an idea of where the sweet spot was, that 45-liter sweet spot. Um, I did have some very particular demands about what backpack I wanted. I wanted it to be a roll top. It's very easy to go and find a backpack that has, like, the caps on them, the caps that you you buckle in. I don't like those. I, to this day, I don't like those. I wanted a roll top backpack. You'd roll the top and clip clip at the top. Uh, very hard to find a backpack like that in 45 liter capacity. I obsessed over that. It had to be a backpack just like that and I looked all over the place for that particular backpack, the one I had in mind. I said it's gotta be, it's gotta exist out there. And I didn't want it to be 46 liters. I didn't want it to be 44 liters. I wanted it to be 45 liters on the nose. I spent hours and days and weeks looking for just the right one. The one that would be an extension of me. It would be like the backpack if I were going to design one for myself. It had to be that backpack. The one I saw in my imagination. It was going to look great in pictures, right? And do you know, I, I did find a backpack that met those conditions. Oh, here was another thing. It needed, I wanted it to be waterproof. So I was adamant there with my very first you know, backpack when I really got into this stuff serious. I was adamant it had to be waterproof. I was adamant I was not going to use like a, a rain cap or a, you know like a what they call those uh, rain you know what I'm talking about they come with a lot of backpacks a rain cover they call them so I was adamant I was not going to use rain cover those things look ridiculous I'm not going to use it it's ridiculous that a backpack can't be waterproof on its own and believe it or not I found I found a backpack now this backpack was specifically for skiers and it was 45 liter roll top and it was uh, it was waterproof it was marketed as waterproof and no it wasn't like a rubber material it wasn't like a dry bag it was a backpack by Arcteryx cost me a, a fortune do you know that um, not only do I not have that backpack today after spending all of that time obsessing over the specifics of how my backpack had to be not only do I not have that backpack today I wouldn't want to have that backpack today that backpack that I that I thought had to be a certain way 15 years later is not the type is not even the same type of backpack that I think that I want or that uh, is right for my needs so there's another example spending so much time obsessing about a thing and for needlessly completely needlessly now i will say that i learned a lot about backpacks learned a lot about other types of other types of gear by doing all that research and those you know hard searches and comparisons and everything so it, it wasn't completely worthless i did learn a lot but even the backpack that I, like i'm using right now um, i'm not so dead set on it that I won't, I'm not happy to take another backpack instead when I go out of the woods. Really, it doesn't matter to me, to be perfectly honest with you. I've got several, and I'm not 
really what it comes down to is the time of year. One backpack might be better. I might think it's better for a particular time of year than another backpack. But I'm not married to my gear like I used to be. There are a few things. For example, this knife right here, this is a, uh, a PKS knife. Let me see if I can get that in focus as a Pathfinder knife. There you go. It's a five inch blade, high carbon steel, keep extremely sharp, beautiful handle and all that. I do love the knife, but I just ordered another knife that's half an inch longer and I think I'm gonna like that knife better. So I've been using this knife for years, at least uh, six years, six years I've been using this knife and I thought, man, that, me and this knife are like peanut butter and jelly, you know, we go together so well. Well, I think this new knife I've got coming, I'm gonna like even better. So just don't fret, don't fret about it. I've got some other examples, let's see here. Headlamps, first headlamp that I uh, settled on, it was a Petzl. It had to be a Petzl. I was adamant that it had to be a Petzl. Not only that, but it had to be this particular Petzl that I ended up buying. I don't own that anymore. There's better Petzl. I don't even, I'm not even insistent about owning a Petzl headlamp anymore. It, to me, I don't care what, what brand of headlamp it is, as long as it, it, it my conditions now are it's got to be rechargeable it's got to have a red light and that's about it it's got to have different intensity modes but other than that give me a five dollar headlamp and that's fine for me give me a twenty dollar headlamp that's fine for me and that's quite a change from my attitudes before my attitudes before were uh, you know it has to be a really nice quality headlamp uh, I don't want to spend five bucks on a headlamp. I want to spend, um, you know, I want to spend fifty dollars on a headlamp. That way, I'm sure to get a really good quality headlamp. Um, well, you can go on Amazon nowadays, and you can buy these rechargeable headlamps for twenty bucks, and two for twenty bucks. And so you can get two for a fraction of the price that I used to pay for a single headlamp. And those headlamps, those pencils, you know, I had to buy AAA batteries. I had to have tons of AAA batteries around in stock here at my house all the time had to have spare batteries out in the woods all the time and now with these rechargeables it's just made those um, completely irrelevant like all the time and energy that I used to spend obsessing about which headlamp am I going to buy for my backpacking kit I, I don't even use them anymore they're not even that important to me anymore I mean I don't want a piece of junk but that's what I'm saying is that for 20 bucks, 10 bucks, you can get rechargeable headlamps now that have all those features that used to be reserved for really high-end headlamps. Now you can get them for next to nothing, and they're not junk. You can get really quality headlamps for 10 bucks. So there's no reason for you to be spending time obsessing about which one do I need to get, which one do I need to buy. Just, just find one and buy it and take it out there remember what I said instead of obsessing about the gear just get the just get some gear and go and do you will learn it's 
oftentimes the gear is the least important part of being out in the woods. Wouldn't most of you agree? Wouldn't a lot of you agree? Your gear is probably the least important part of being in the woods. The most important part is being in the woods. So, uh, you know, I sure, I sure do love gear. I love talking gear. I love making, uh, comparing gear, especially things like water bottles and mugs and kettles, um, shelters. These are things I'm always really interested in, uh, seeing what, what's available, what possibilities exist with those sorts of things. And when I do find a mug or a kettle or a shelter, I like to be able to use them for many years. But um, as far as obsessing about them endlessly before I make a purchase on one, I don't do that anymore. This video I just did about saving $800. You know, I could go out and I could buy a Marmot uh, zero-degree down sleeping bag for $800, and I'm sure it would be very, very nice. But being perfectly honest about it and perfectly practical about it, since this is the practical woodsman, does that do I absolutely need to spend eight hundred dollars or or there are, are there other options that will do the same thing? Maybe not as flashy, maybe not as shiny, but are there other options out there that will do the same thing? If you watch my video on YouTube about uh, what's the title of that video? Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up real quick so that you guys can find it. And I'm sure those of you who are watching this, I'll flash an image of the of that video across the screen zero degree Fahrenheit down sleeping bag dirt cheap if you find that video you'll see that I, I have a solution for that $75 will do exactly it will serve the exact same purpose in the same way that one of those $800 or $900 sleeping bags from Marmot or Arcteryx or any of these big name brands will do soft shell jackets I had one it was a mountain hardware it was my first soft shell jacket specifically made for a backpacking and I loved it it come right down to my belt so right down to the top of my belt or the top of my waist and um, I love that I still it's so hard to find a soft shell jacket like that most of them extend down below because they think you want to keep snow out and drafts and everything and you know there is something to be said for that but I like the fact that this mountain hardware soft shell came right down to my belt and stopped it, it made movement and working around camp uh, a lot more comfortable for me like I did it, I don't like the jackets that extend down below my belt because it, it kind of obstructs movement and stuff like that I'd, also when you're layering I found that that design very nice for layering like my hard shell over top of that and and things like that well you know I obsessed over that jacket that jacket lasted a long time but it's gone you know it's gone the way of the dodo and in fact um when did that jacket finally poop out on me uh I think it finally pooped out on me right around 2015 so it lasted almost 10 years but um within 10 years when i went to look for a replacement for that soft shell jacket they don't make that anymore i can't even find anything that closely resembles that jacket so there's another example things will wear out 
there won't be it won't exist later on so it, you need to get used to just like you know being flexible with your gear not being too attached to one thing or another not spending too much time obsessing about these things boots same thing i think i already mentioned them i obsessed over the first pair of boots i wanted them to look exactly the right way i wanted them to be all leather i wanted them to have a certain type of sole um, a certain type of look man i've been through many many pairs of boots since those original boots and i think back to all the energy i spent on that and go boy that was kind of pointless what you buy today is either outdated tomorrow or doesn't exist at all flashlights headlamps batteries now dinosaurs let me show you these petzels so here's a bunch of petzels for those of you who are watching uh these are uh, not only a petzel i've got an energizer headlamp here and these things are just you know i loved them for their time they're all completely outdated i can't even give them away nobody wants them you know why because everybody's going to rechargeables they nobody wants to be buying triple a batteries and having triple a batteries on hand for these things when everything's rechargeable nowadays so as much as i loved them in their time they're completely dead they're dinosaurs now even when i see them i go oh those are a thing of the past so these are no good they've all been replaced with things like this now i was telling you you could get some really good headlamps on amazon for 10 20 bucks here's an example of two that came for i think it was 20 bucks and they do everything that you would want a headlamp to do and they're rechargeable now i don't believe i don't believe these are USB-C rechargeable. I think they're just like they're micro. Yeah. So these have a micro uh, port. They're not even USB-C. But am I going to lose sleep about that or like throw them away and go looking for one that has USB-C? No, because USB-C is going to be outdated in no time too. So what I've done is I've just gone to carrying various cable types in my in my gear um, with that gum. I, what I do here all right yeah so carrying various different types of cables that's it just carrying very various different types of cables here's another headlamp type I think this one costs 10 bucks weighs a fraction of those petzels but does everything the petzels did and more and it's rechargeable this is re, this is USB-C rechargeable but you know my point is I'm not obsessing over if it's USB-C rechargeable. It's nice if they come that way, but if I can get a head headlamp for 10 bucks, and I'm going to throw that into my bug out bag or something, I'm not worried about it. I'll just make sure I've got the cables. Oh, yeah, so whatever you buy is going to need replaced before you know it. Gear that costs less often works as good or better than the expensive, so there's no need to be insistent on buying something on spending more for a thing just because that's uh those headlamps are a perfect perfect example of that it used to be that you would get a little bit better product if you if you did spend more like on a headlamp i don't think that's true anymore i don't think it's true and uh, really the most important thing about being out in the woods is not the type of headlamp you're using it simply does the headlamp work for you 
Does it light up? Does it hold a charge for a long time? Does it have different settings and things like that? And all of them do. All of them do. I'll tell you what, I could go to Walmart right now and I could buy a headlamp, no joke, for a buck. For a buck. And do you know that that headlamp would do the same thing for me out in the woods that a $50 headlamp will do? It'd do the same thing. So that's the discussion I had for for Saul this week. Uh, you know, I was thinking about just changes in the way that I look at gear and the way that I shop for gear nowadays. Um, there are some exceptions. You know, I don't want to spend ten bucks on a on a knife, on a on a workhorse knife, like a belt knife. I do re- want to have a really good quality work knife. So I'm I'm willing to spend a little bit more on things like that. My shelter. I'm willing to spend a little bit more on that. I just don't recommend obsessing about those things. For example, if you like a TP tent, which I do, I like TP floorless shelters. That's my favorite type of shelter. So I go online and I just find one. I don't spend, I don't do that anymore where I just spend hours and hours obsessing, days obsessing about finding exactly the right one. No, if I just find a TP floorless shelter. There's a lot of them out there and uh, you know most of them will do the same thing they they work the same way they do the same thing and uh, also the simpler things are I, I like simp- I like doing things in the simplest way I like my gear to be simple the more complex gear is the more I tend to avoid that type of gear I really like the simple now I promised I'd tell you the story about an eagle when I lived in Philadelphia I had a friend there, an older friend named Ozzy. He was Argentinian. So he was a fellow from Argentina, older guy. And um, real, a real interesting fella. Uh, he would go off, he would start telling you stories. You could see he'd like go into his head and he'd be telling you something that happened like 30 years ago. And it, it is almost like he's talking to himself. So he wouldn't provide necessary context for you to like really understand why he's telling the story or anything like that. And he did this often. But there was this one morning where I went to Ozzy's house and uh, I was talking to Ozzy and he starts down this road of, of like kind of telling a story like I don't, I'm not sure if he's talking to me or if he's just relating the story out loud to himself or what this is. But I caught glimpses of it here and there. I was kind of, my mind was on something else. But he starts talking about this eagle with a snake in its mouth and he's going on and on about this eagle with a snake in its mouth and this and that and I, I said wait I said, what are you talking remember we're in Philadelphia we're not out in the woods we're in Philadelphia now granted we're in the suburbs but we're in Philadelphia I'm just thinking he must be talking about something that happened a long time ago or something I don't know why he's talking about and he's going on about this eagle flew off with a snake in its mouth and and then he never saw it again and those sorts of things and I'm thinking like okay whatever maybe this happened in Argentina who knows I don't know what he's talking about so I le- I, I do my business there with Ozzy I say goodbye I drive from there an hour away to where I lived which is a substantial distance away from where Ozzy lives and I'm driving through this neighborhood 
like an hour away. And I look over, and would you believe, in the front yard of these apartment complexes is an eagle in the front yard with a snake, eating a snake. Now, the reason why that's so incredible to me, to this day I can't believe it, what are the odds that Ozzy would see an eagle grab this big old snake and be fighting with this big old snake and then he's going to tell me that story that eagle flies off flies like an hour away and I think Ozzy's out of his mind telling me the story and then I drive off and randomly completely randomly drive through the neighborhood where that same eagle has landed with that same snake now, if you're in a small town, small community, you think, what's the big deal? In Philadelphia is enormous. There are so many directions and places I could have gone where that would have taken me anywhere but where that eagle was. And here, completely by coincidence, I end up driving right into a neighborhood where that eagle has decided to go. The eagle that... Ozzy, the same eagle that Ozzy was rambling on about like an hour earlier, and there's that eagle with that snake. I couldn't believe it. And here, when he was talking to me, I was thinking, I don't know why he's talking. I don't even know if this is a true story or if he's just telling me a story or what this is. And then like an hour later, there's that eagle. I couldn't believe it. So there's that true story about Ozzy and the eagle in Philadelphia. And... uh, that's all for our show, folks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Practical Woodsman Podcast. If you're not subscribed on YouTube or Rumble, I hope you'll do that. And I also hope you'll join us over there on our Locals community so we can enjoy each other's company there with doing live streams and having conversations like this throughout the week. Take care, guys. Take care, guys.